Let's look at the text that we've been looking at throughout these uh, teachings. The 91st Psalm. And we've been talking about the subject of long life. Longevity. I thank the Lord for helping us with this and putting this on our heart. I believe it's been right. And uh, I'm stirred up about it. Are you? I believe that it's God's will for us to live long. I mean, you study through the Scriptures, you'll find that being cut off in youth, being cut off in midlife is a curse. It's a curse. And you and I are not cursed. We're blessed. We're free from the curse. Well, if we're blessed, our life ought to be victorious and ought to be a substantial amount of it. If the Lord tarries is coming, you and I ought to do some long living. Besides that, you know, we, uh, we don't have, it's not like, like we've done so much and accomplished so much and done so perfectly that we don't need all the time we've got. A lot of folk have wasted a lot of their time. Got started late, right? So, I mean, that among other reasons ought to cause us to want to use and utilize all of our time. We need it. To do everything that we should do, to become everything we should be and become. So let's look at our text again here in Psalm uh, 91. Remind ourselves and perhaps complete and finish some thoughts today. Psalm 91 verse 14. Psalm 91 14. said, Because he has set his love on me, the Lord said, therefore will I deliver him. If the Lord tells you He'll deliver you, what can you count on? He'll do it. He said, I will set him on high. Sounds like promotion. Because he's known my name. Do you know the Lord's not opposed to you and me being exalted? He's not opposed to us being promoted. He's just opposed to us doing it. Self-promotion. Self-exaltation. He said, if you'll humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, uh, He will exalt you. In due time. Due time is almost always later than you'd like for it to be. <laughs> Let him do it though. He goes on to say, He will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Why don't you confess that last verse with me again? Let's read it out loud. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Now apply it to yourself. Say, with long life he will satisfy me and show me his salvation. Say it three more times. With long life he will satisfy me and show me his salvation. What's going to happen now? Tell me. With long life... He will satisfy me and show me His salvation. One more time. With long life, He will satisfy me and show me His salvation. Satisfy who? Would you know when you got satisfied? I think you would. Well, if you don't know, what does that mean? You're not yet. So what do you do? Keep going. Keep believing. So the Lord has given us a right to longevity. We, without going over everything that we've already said, 
We've seen scriptures that teach us and Ecclesiastes, Proverbs, other places that uh, you and I have a lot to do and a lot of say so in how long we live and in our quality as well as our length of life. Uh, Paul, you know, talked about in Philippians that he was in a strait betwixt two. He had a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. But he said it was needful to stay with them and help them. He said, which one I will choose, I wot not. I don't know which one I'm going to choose. Is that true, that he had that much power and say so in his life, that he could choose to go or he could choose to stay? Is that true? And we know that's not just Paul talking, that's the Holy Ghost through Paul. And uh, we've seen that there are things that you and I can do that would shorten your life. And there are things we can do that will lengthen our days. And that it's God's will that we live a long, full, fruitful life, come to the end of the way, aged, full of years, full of riches, full of fruit. Amen. And fruit that remains and be satisfied totally with our life. That we've run our race, we've finished the course. Amen. Now we're ready to go. I mean, we know we're not going to stay down here forever. Don't want to stay down here forever. But we need to have the sense of completion before we go. And there's a lot of people that leave early. A lot of people die prematurely and do not finish what they should do. We know that the harvest is great and the laborers are few, so we certainly don't need anybody going home early. Right? I mean, it'd be like a bunch of us in the field working and, I mean, the crop's not nearly in and you got these people leaving and going home in the middle of the day. That's exactly what's happening when people die prematurely. And sometimes people would think, well, I couldn't help it. I, I can't help it. It's not up to me. Yes, we do have much more to say about it. Even though you might be attacked with what would otherwise be a terminal disease, in the power of God, you can fight. I said you can fight. You can overcome it. You can live. Even though the devil might have planned to take you out with some accident, you can believe God and be led and be protected and His plan not work. Right? So we began to share... After talking about these things, principles to long life, Bible keys to longevity. Uh, <clears throat> like we said, there are more and more people that are over age uh, 100 alive right now. There are projections in just a few short years to come that there will be hundreds of thousands and even millions of people over age 100, not that many years from now. And so there's a lot of interest in this and there's a lot of funding right now for studies in uh, longevity and studies along. People want to know, well, why are uh, people living this long? What, what are the keys to it? And many of them find it to be a great mystery. Well, thank God we got a book that's got the answers. We don't have to spend millions of dollars. We can just go right here to the book. And how many know if the Lord says, if you do this, you will live long, you can count on that. You know, people are looking for the magic diet. They're looking for the magic this or the magic that. Well, what did the Word say? There are specific passages in the Word that tell us, if you do this, you will live long. I believe it, don't you? So we're reviewing these. Now, the first one that we mentioned is that, uh, number one, talking about Bible keys and living long, is that you must know that long life is your right. And you must realize that death is your enemy. And you've got to be a fighter. You've got to fight for your rights. Right? Is long life a redemptive right? It is. 
Now, you know, like with anything else, the devil will try to steal it from you if he can. But make up your mind, no, no, it's mine. I'm not just laying down and letting the devil steal this from me. If I have to, I'll fight. I'll fight as long as I have to, to stay here and to live and to finish my course. I worked in healing school for a number of years. I guess about 13, 14 years on a daily basis. And uh, we worked with people that were, you know, called terminal. And that were people that were, even the doctor said should have been dead several days ago or weeks ago. Person after person after person. And uh, when people are sick, especially for a long time, and you go through a lot of stuff with the doctors and with treatments and with pain, I mean, it gets tiresome. You get to the place where you just are tired. You're tired of fighting. You're tired of fooling with it. It's a lot easier just to give up, just to quit. Just to die. It's very easy to do so. If you've had relatives that quit on you, relatives that gave up, don't be foolish, don't blame God, and don't be mad at them. Unless you're in their place and in their shoes and you've been through that, you may not be able to fully appreciate what it's like. But the reality is, if you'll fight and won't quit, you can live. I didn't say it's easy. It can be tough, man. It can, it can get so, it could be so easy just to give up and quit. And when you get close to death, a lot of times you get close to heaven because you're saved. And you're thinking, man, I just, I want to go to heaven. I just want to get out of here. Well, you'll get to heaven soon enough. Even if you stay down here another 50 years, it won't be long. You'll get there. But don't be deceived and don't give up. Live your whole life. Can you say amen? Live your entire life. But you've got to be a fighter. You've got to know there's no way. I, you know, I told you about my dad. Uh, just just a matter of months ago, he had a, a severe, massive heart attack. And in the middle of it, he said, man, he said he was seeing over into the other realm. <laughs> he was that far gone. He was seeing over into the other realm. And he said, it came up in his heart. He said, Lord, it's not time for me to go, is it? And he said, the Lord said, No. Well, see, he could have easily just just given up, just let it go and die. But he began to fight. I said he began to fight. And when you fight, see, it gives God something to work with. I said it gives God something to work with. You're putting action to your faith. Fight to live. I've seen people struggle, man. You know, I've seen people that should have been dead from, you know, from a natural standpoint years ago. But they're alive and healthy and on the job and doing fine today. But every one of them that I know like that, they were and they are fighters. Fighters. Not wimps, not quitters. They're fighters. Paul said, you remember, he said, when he got to the end of his course, he said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. How did you make it all the way to the end of your course, Paul? He said, I fought. I'm a fighter. And I fought a good fight. Fight the good fight of faith. How are you going to make it all the way? you got to be strong. If something tries to take you out prematurely, you're not going to lay down to it. You're not going to roll over. You will fight it. I don't care if you, you know, got half nostril above water. And it looks like you're already gone. You'll bob up and get another breath and say, I ain't done. I ain't done. I don't care if it looks like it's been three minutes since you breathe. You'll come back and go, I'm back. <laughs> I told you I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving yet. And I'm telling you, if you're like that, God will sustain you. He will, you will come out. Just because you've been attacked with something doesn't mean you have to roll over and die. So you gotta be a fighter. Number two, second principle we talked about is that wisdom and understanding from God's Word is a key to longevity. 
Many places in the Proverbs it talks about the wisdom of God that it will add years to your life. It will add length of days to you. Uh, the fear of the Lord's the beginning of wisdom. He said, by me your days will be multiplied. Many scriptures like this. And we said that coupled with that is the, the spirit of wisdom who lives within us. And the wisdom of God in directing us and leading us. There are a lot of people that are, are no longer with us because simply of foolishness. Not being wise. How many know that working with electricity with your feet in water and, and uh, <laughs> stuff like that is, can be not wise. I mean, uh, working out in the middle of traffic, uh, uh, walking out in front of a bus and saying the Lord will protect me. I mean, I mean, people have done stupid things, you know. Uh, loading up an airplane way overweight and balance and say, well, the Lord will help us. And, you know, I, I gave you the example of the, the lady that I had talked to that, uh, you know, had a check about going down to a certain part of town. The Lord had checked her. She, and she overrode it and went on down there anyway and got mugged. And she wanted to know why the Lord didn't protect her. Well, you've got to follow the leadings of the Lord. You cannot separate faith for protection from being led by the Holy Ghost. The two go hand in hand. And the wisdom of God will lead us and direct us. The scripture in Ecclesiastes 7, 17 says, Be not overmuch wicked, neither be thou foolish. Why should you die? Before your time. Being foolish can cause you to be dead before your time. We have wisdom of God from the Word of God. Uh, there are principles in here that if we'll receive and act on it, keep us from doing foolish things. Uh, we have the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of wisdom. He'll lead us and guide us in wisdom. I understand that a lot of things people would not have done, they wouldn't have had those accidents, they wouldn't have had that problem if they'd have just had some wisdom. And then when it's out beyond what you would know, the wisdom of God can lead you to do things that you wouldn't have even known with your head. Understand that if you want to make it all the way and live long, you're going to have to be led. You're going to have to follow His leadings because the devil's trying to kill us, right? But, the, but if we'll follow the Holy Ghost, He'll keep us ahead of Him all the time. Amen? And we'll be walking along and maybe the devil's got a snare planted for us. We're just about to step and the Holy Ghost will say, Oh, don't step there. Don't step there. We'll say, Okay, all right. And we'll just walk right on. But the proverb talks about that the foolish man is warned and he sees it, but he just goes on anyway. Well, that's how you can die before your time. A third thing that we mention, third scriptural principle for long life, is learning and practicing honor. Learning and practicing honor. In Exodus, the 20th chapter, he said, Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God gives you. Ephesians, quoting that in the New Testament, says, Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. Now, he's talking not just about something that one does while they are a child at home or even something that you do even while your parents are alive, but it is the principle that you learn. If you learn how to honor mother and father, then you'll know how to honor your school teachers and your coaches. You'll know how to honor your employers. You'll know how to honor your civil leaders. You'll know how to honor your pastor and your spiritual leaders. You'll know how to honor God and His things. And he said, honor is a key to having a good life and having a long life. So if we're interested in these things, we'll be interested in honor. We'll want to learn more about it. 
And how many understand that we live in a society today where people have lost things concerning honor? There's such a, a terrible lack of respect and lack of reverence for things natural and spiritual. You and I need to hold up a standard to get back to that. Amen? We need to practice it in our homes, in our families, in our churches. I mean, people ought to just be able to look at us and watch us and say, Oh man, man, I, I've been irreverent. I, I, I've been, haven't shown honor just by watching the way we operate and live. We ought to honor each other. We ought to honor God. We ought to honor the things of God. There's too much looseness, too much laxness, too much uh, irreverence. Everything's, you know, we're still hurting from the rebellion of the 50s and 60s. In this country, everything's pulled down to commonness. Uh, people don't dress up for anything. They, they don't go through any uh, honor rituals with anything. And you can get in a rut. We don't want to be religious. But at the same time, we do want to show respect. Right? And this is a key. This is not just some thing that would be nice to do. This is a key to you personally having a good life and living a long time, the Bible teaches us. So, going on to number uh, four. Anybody remember what number four was? A fourth principle in uh, living a long life is control of the tongue. If you want to live a long time, you must control your tongue. James talks about what an unruly member the tongue can be. But if you can control your tongue, he said you can control your whole body. And like the bit in the horse's mouth, like the rudder on the ship, you can turn your life around with the steering wheel of your tongue. Well, uh, let me quote the, read the scriptures to you again. Psalm 34 says, What man is he that desires life and, and see and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking guile. First Peter 3.10 said, He that would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Two things he mentioned there. Evil. Now, uh, we, we people sometimes when they hear evil, they think that means cussing and using profanity and foul language. Well, a lot of that would certainly be bad. And e Instead of saying evil, a lot of times we might just today say bad versus good. Well, that's bad, but there's a lot of other things besides cussing that's bad. Talking death is bad. Talking defeat is bad. You can't talk death over yourself and live long. You can't talk weakness over yourself. You can't talk defeat. We must talk victory. We must talk strength. Even if a body part is weak, Joel 3.10 said, Let the weak say, I am strong. Call those body parts strong. You have to watch about getting to talking about how old you are. Well, I'm getting old. And I guess my mind's a going. And, and I guess this. I guess, you know, the old gray marriage just ain't what she used to be. Well, certainly, you're not, you know, if you're 95, you're not going to be like you were exactly when you're 25. But that ought to be all the more reason to talk strength. Right? All the more reason. You ought to be, you know, if, if anything, to be talking more strength as you're older, even than you were when you're younger. Talk strength. Talk victory. But also, he said, refrain your, your, your tongue and your lips from speaking evil and guile. Guile has to do with deception, with deceit. You, we, we must not be... Uh, backstabbers. We must not be talkers behind people's back. We must not run people down or say negative things or even repeat things that we've heard. I mean, if you want to be healthy, you've got to walk in love. And love doesn't talk bad about people. Right? 
I mean, it's all you got to do is just go with the flow. There's a flow of negativism all around about us. It's just a natural thing that people talk about each other, talk about people they don't know, run folk down, and just take them apart and, and make fun of them, what have you. But we as Christians must not do that. I mean, if you do, you can forfeit things. You can forfeit things in longevity if you're not going to control your mouth, if you just talk and say anything. So he that would love life and see good days and see many days, let him refrain, control, refrain, that tongue from evil, speaking bad things, and control his tongue and his lips that he speak no guile, no deception, no bad things. Well, that's as far as we got last time going on to the next reason. Reason number five. Fifth reason, biblical key or principle to longevity, and that is obedience to the plan and will of God. Obedience to the plan and will of God. Deuteronomy 30, verse 20. Deuteronomy 30, 20 says, That you may love the Lord your God, and that you may obey His voice, and cleave to Him, for He is your life and the length of your days as you dwell in the land. He said, If you love Him and obey Him, cleave to Him, He said, He is your life and length of days. We're familiar with Exodus 23:25. Exodus 23:25 says you shall serve the Lord your God. He will bless your bread and water. I'll take sickness away from the midst of you. There'll nothing cast the young nor be barren in your land. The number of your days I will fulfill. Now how did that start out? We grabbed that last part, the number of your days I'll fulfill. How did that start out? You will serve the Lord. You will serve the Lord. I'm reminded of revelation that Brother Hagin mentions that the Lord gave him in one of the visions about him entering into uh, the first phase of his ministry. And he was saying, uh, you know, thinking, well, my, I've been in the ministry this many years and I'm just now entering into the first phase of the ministry. And he said the Lord had said to him that a lot of his ministers that he'd called live and die and never even enter into the first phase of what he's called them to. And that's one reason why a lot of them die prematurely. They're not in his perfect will. You can't just go off on your own agenda and do your own thing and do your own plan and have the full, uh, you know, blessings of God in your life. If you're going to disobey, it's going to cost. If you want the full, if you want the perfect will of God in blessings, you have to do the perfect will of God in obedience. If you be willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. Right? If God wants you to do this and you decide, well, I'm not doing that. I'm going to go over here and do this. Well, that's why a lot of people wind up sick. And if they're so hard-headed that they just will not uh, yield to the will of God, well, that's why people die. They die prematurely. Not in the perfect will of God. You know, if Jesus is really our Lord, we're not free to just start a job when we want to, quit it when we want to. If He is really our Lord, we're not free to just join a church when we want to and quit the church when we something rubs us the wrong way. We are to we are soldiers in the army of the Lord. He even tells us endure hardness as a good soldier. He didn't tell you everything would always be easy. There may be times and situations where you're in a position where it's not comfortable. Things are not easy. And maybe you want to do something else. You, you want to leave or you want to do a different thing. Because of any number of reasons. Well, if Jesus is really your Lord, the, the best you can do is just go in and fall across the bed and put in a request for a transfer. And many times it'll come back denied. <laughs> 
Now, are you going to stay where you're stationed? Or are you going to go AWOL? You know, there are a lot of Christians AWOL, out of the will of the Lord. He did, you know, they, he led them to this church and then they got offended by something and left. He didn't lead them out. He, di- he didn't release them from that. He led them to this job or this place and they hooked up, but something rubbed them the wrong way or maybe even legitimately somebody didn't treat them right. You know that just because somebody doesn't treat you right doesn't mean it's okay for you to jump out of the will of God? And a lot of times people just imagine somebody did them wrong. Whether they did or whether you just thought they did, still, did the Lord, uh, have you received orders to do that? Have you received different orders from headquarters? How many of you can get in trouble writing your own orders? There's a lot of Christians doing that. I mean, they write their own orders and sign the Lord's name to it. Well, I'm going over to such and such, and the Lord wouldn't sign it, so they just signed it. The Lord Jesus. What do you mean? They go out and tell folk, well, the Lord released me from that, and he, and I just feel led to go do this other thing, and the Lord just led me into something new. He didn't. He didn't. And now they're out of the will of God. Can that cost you? Yes, it can cost you. It can open the door to all manner of problems in your life. You're out of the perfect will of God. You're out of His perfect protection. You're out of His full grace. And you persist in that long enough, it can cause your life to be shortened. You can not live as long as you should have lived. So a key to living long on the earth is to finding and getting in and staying in your place that God has ordained for you, obeying His will, following His perfect plan for your life. That means seeking it, praying about it, pursuing it, believing for it. And one of the toughest things is when you find it out, doing it. Staying with it. And how many know that He doesn't have to tell you every Monday, uh, He doesn't have to repeat the instructions to you. No, what do we know? Unless he tells us something else, something different, what do we do? We're here, right? And we don't need to be here reluctantly. We don't need to be here grudgingly. I mean, this, sometimes people even talk about this and act like it's okay. But it's not okay to drag your feet in on Monday going, All right, Lord, I'm here. <laughs> I'm obeying. Yeah, but you ain't willing. And that's why you're not eating too hot. Right? That's, you know, how many understand that we have a will and we can will to do His will? Even if it's not, even if something is not just the way your flesh would like for it to be, I've found that you can. I can make an adjustment. I learned this a long time ago. I mean, I can be looking at something and going, now that, that's not for me. No sir, no ma'am. I mean, that, no, that's not me. That's not my thing. That's not my grace. And the Lord says, I want you to do that. Oh. Okay, yeah, now that you mention it, Lord, mm, yeah, that's the thing. Yes, sir. How many of you can change just like that? It, I don't mean you felt like that. You can just as an act of your will say, all right, this is it. Lord, you say this is it, this is it. Or maybe you're seeing something, you're thinking, well, uh, you know, no, uh, uh, this, this is what I want, Lord. This is, this is it. Do you know me? This is what I'm believing for. Come on, this, this is the way I, I want it to go this way. And the Lord says, that's not the way I want it. You can look at it and go, right, right, me either. (laughs) You don't like it, Lord, I don't like it. (laughs) And your flesh can say, yeah, I still like you. Say, shut up, shut up, shut up. If he doesn't like it, we don't like it. 
We can will to do His will. Like the psalmist said, I delight to do Thy will, O God. You can, you can do that. You can say that. You, that can be an act of your will, even when you don't feel like it. Even when you feel like something very, very different. How many believe that it would be wise to do the will of God? I mean, there's no place. People get hung up on houses and lands and geographical places. Well, I love this place or the old home place or this or that. Friend, the place is the perfect will of God. I don't care what continent or what time zone it's on. And a lot of us have demonstrated that we left wherever we were from. Right? We came out here. And it takes faith to leave and it takes faith to stay. But, uh, (laughs) that's got a lot of smiles across the group here. Uh, Anyway, obedience to the plan of God. If the Lord deals with you to do something, do it. Rebellion, disobedience, not being in the perfect will of God can cost you. It can open the door to the enemy. You persist in it long enough, it can cut off years from your life. You can die before your time because you wouldn't obey. You're not in the perfect plan and will of God. Um, Sixthly now, and this is the this is our final one for the time. As far as I know, this will be a, the end of our teaching on this for a while. Uh, the, the sixth point is, a key to longevity is knowing how to rest, knowing how to live and walk in peace. And this is a big one. Knowing how to rest, knowing how to walk in peace. Uh, this uh, particular article here that uh, I received not long ago, it, it, it talks about some of these individuals studying different people that were over age 100 and trying to find characteristics that, uh, uh, that they had in common. And uh, this person says that they found that most of these people knew about stress management before the term was invented. That they rarely show anger. And they tend not to fret. And they have a good sense of humor. It says many of them have suffered the loss of spouses, siblings, and most friends. When you think about it, if you're 115 years old, you've been to a lot of funerals. Right? And they've lost siblings, spouses, most of their friends. But somehow they overcome these emotional blows and they forge ahead. He talks about that they, they just, you know, they know how to handle, uh, their self. They, they don't get down. They, they don't fret. They don't worry. And hasn't the Word taught us that all along? I mean, there are a number of reasons why the Lord told us to be careful for nothing. To take no thought for the morrow. To cast all of our care on Him. He's not just telling us this because this would be a good thing to do only. No, you and I are not designed to handle it. Are you with me? We're not designed to carry cares. We're not designed to operate in worry. We're not designed to operate stressed out. And if we operate that way anyway, it has a a, a devastating effect on our systems. I mean, you wouldn't have to be too, too bright. You wouldn't have to have any formal education in science or medicine to see this. If you worry and you fret, what starts happening to you? Furrows in your brow and in your face. Hair turning gray, turning loose. Stomach and intestines, ulcers, uh, blood pressure raised. How many understand what I'm talking about? 
your systems just start malfunctioning. You and I were not designed to worry. We were not designed to fear and to fret and to go around stressed out all the time. You cannot operate that way and live long. We have to, we'd have to obey the Bible, obey the Word and walk in peace and walk in rest. Now, another way of saying walk in rest is walk in faith. Because if you're scared, if you're worried, if you're fretting, you're not walking in faith. We which have believed do enter into rest. So if I'm walking in faith every day, I'm walking in rest every day. Yeah, but what about if this happens? Makes no difference what happens. Yeah, but what if we lose this one? Or what if we lose that one? Well, thank God we can comfort each other with the Scriptures. We're not like those who have no hope. Right? And no matter what happens to us or what didn't happen to us, we know the one that's got the answers. And no matter the things we might be going through, we know the outcome. We know He always causes us to triumph. Like what one individual said, uh, he he said, I do not worry about the things I can't do anything about. Because I can't do anything about them. He said, nor do I worry about the things I can do something about because I can do something about them. But if you don't worry about what you can't do something about and you don't worry about what you can do something about, you just don't worry. We talk about these things, we've heard them, we know it, but do you practice it? I think a lot of those people think because I have books on casting my care on the Lord and I've heard sermons and I'm in a place that don't believe in worry and what have you, then hey, we got it. But no, can you remember a time recently that you were too quiet for too long? I don't know what I'm talking about. That you, I mean, this is working on you. It was bothering you. Your stomach was in, in a knot. Hmm? Whether you're worrying about a bill, or worrying about how this is going to work out, or a relationship. Do you know it's not okay for us to worry about anything? There are no categories of things that, well, these are exceptions. This is serious. So it's really okay to worry a little bit about this, because this, hey, this is serious. This is my marriage you're talking about. This is my kids. This is my money. I mean, this is serious. Well, God didn't say, cast everything on me except the serious stuff. <laughs> he didn't say, try not to worry. I know it's hard, and I know in some circumstances, some things, you just can't help it. I know it, but try not to. Did He say that? No. He told us, don't do it. So to go ahead and worry anyway is disobedience. It boils down to lack of faith and... Pride. A lot of times people might not notice that part, but it is. To keep something you know you can't fix. To take responsibility for things you know you can't straighten out. And to carrying, carry them is acting like you're the Savior. It's pride. You ought to know you can't straighten it out. You ought to know you can't take care of it and have enough sense to give it to somebody that can you ever seen somebody working with something, a food, you know, doing something, and you can tell they've never done this before. They don't have a clue what they're doing. Maybe you've done it half your life. And they're about to mess this thing up. And you walk up and you say, uh, could I help you with that? And they go, no, no, I got it. 
<laughs> and you say, well, now no, wait, wait. You don't want to do that first. You don't, because if you do, no, I got it. All right, I got it. I got it. Well, I'd be glad to help you. No, I got, really, I got it. What can you do? I said, what can you do? Let, walk away. Let them tear it up. That's all you can do. Let them mess it up. Well, that, you know, that's the way people do with the things, their cares and, and, and worries. God's saying, give it to me. Throw it, throw it here. Cast it here. I'll catch it. I'll do something with it. I can handle it. You can't. Give it to me. And they're going, I got it. <laughs> yeah, I know you've got it. Give it to me. <laughs> yeah, but it's so heavy. I know. Give it to me. Oh God, you gotta help me with this. No, I don't wanna help you. I want you to give it to me. And I'll have it. You won't have it. You know, we've heard these truths. We've heard them. But that's not the same thing as doing it. Are you with me now? You cannot walk stressed out day in, day out and have full health and have long life. I mean, it's like a piece of machinery. If you overstress it, if you operate it outside its envelope, outside its intended area of operation, you're going to tear it up. Right? I mean, I, I got a Corvette. It's a nice car. I mean, as long as you keep it on a good flat surface, you can keep your foot in it. Man, the thing will fly. I mean, you, it'll zip around the curves. But you take that thing off the road and try to make a four-wheel drive out of it. <laughs> Sock it in some big ditch and... <laughs> You, you, I mean, you can rip out the transmission, you can destroy the suspension, you can break up the body, right? You're trying to use it for something it was not designed to be used for. I got a little airplane, and one of the things they teach you is about the operating envelope. It's got these never exceed speeds, and don't do this, and don't do that. Well, you could point the nose down and just see how fast this thing will go. <laughs> Glory to God, I got the airspeed indicator peg, but I'm, I'm smoking now and, and the tail can come off. Cause it is not designed to go that fast. Now as long as you won't overload it or don't, you know, overstress it, man, the thing will serve you well for years and years and years. How many understand that there are things that you are not designed to do? Things that you and I were not designed to handle. The Lord's told us in the Word, we are not designed to worry. We are not designed to carry cares. We're not designed to fret. We're not designed to doubt and fear. If you do, it's going to take its toll on you. It's going to wear you down. It's going to make you old before your time. I mean, how many cases have you seen of parents that worried about their children? And I mean, I've seen it, man, I've seen it close hand of people that just, I mean, that their hair turned gray, seemed like almost overnight, and, and wrinkles in their, their face. And it's not just be, that they're so old, it's the, the worry, the, the anxiety has aged them. Living in sin will age you. Sin, the, the way of the transgressor is what? It's hard. I mean, drinking all night and fighting and wrecking your car and, Breaking up and having 40 different, you know, spouses and all those alimony payments. I mean, that's hard. It's tough. It's rough. It'll make an old man, make an old woman out of you long before you should be. Something interesting on these studies that they're doing on old age is they, they did, uh, you know, autopsies and stuff on people that were over age 100. And they said that 
A lot of times their brains and different parts of their body looked better than some 60-year-olds in other bodies. So aging is not just a chronological thing. They also noticed that the mental abilities of some of these people, both the physical condition of their brain in the death of autopsy, after autopsy, you know, after death, and then the uh, the tests that they were giving people that are hundred plus years old, mental tests, that their abilities to think and their memory was just as good or better than those that were many, many de- several decades younger than they. And they're concluding that loss of memory and dementia is not are not automatic results of aging. Did you hear that? I said, did you hear that? They are even, the scientists studying this and the researchers, they are concluding loss of memory and problems with the mind, dementia, are not just automatic consequences of aging. Well, you'd have to know that if you got a 30-year-old that's a nutcake and you got a 115-year-old that's just as solid as a rock. How many know what I'm talking about? <laughs> they were still like this one lady they're studying in this article. She's 104 years old. That's old. And they said one of the most remarkable things is she's very healthy. Extremely healthy. She lives by herself. She makes her own bed, cooks her own breakfast, cleans up her own house. You know, they were talking that in these studies that a lot of times if people made it through their 60s, that a lot of times uh, the, their, the bodies of the older people were less susceptible to a lot of the problems than people were in their 60s. That if you make it past that 60, 70 uh, age along through there, then you'll probably have better health from there on out. Now that doesn't sound like what you'd think, does it? <laughs> so you've got to make it through uh, these middle age years. So what middle age? Your 60s. I said, let's make it through these middle age years, overcome and be triumphant. But are you with me now that even these researchers are saying some characteristics in some of these people is that they see that they tend not to fret. Did you hear that? These are not even people quoting the Bible. They tend not to fret. How about you? Do you tend to fret or you tend not to fret? We're given scriptures repeatedly. I said we're given scriptures repeatedly that we're told not to fret, not to worry. I've mentioned some of them briefly to you. I won't take the time to to go over them and read them all. But there are a number of things that cause people to be stressed. A number of things that cause them to be, you know, anxious and drained. And the list would be big. I'm not going to try to go into all of those things. But let me just mention, mention a few things. For one thing, stress is not just the result of your occupation. People will go to doctors and psychotherapists and psychiatrists and sometimes they say, well, man, you're just too, you're so stressed and it's causing these migraines and it's causing your stomach problems. You've got to get out of this stress and their only conclusion is get out of the job, get out of the occupation. But like we've mentioned to you before, you could be on a deserted island right by yourself and be stressed because you're there. You can be stressed because you're in a crowd or stressed because there's nobody around. I'm all by myself. In any situation you could be in, you can worry and be stressed if you yield to it. People are stressed not just because of their circumstances, but they're stressed because they yield to fear. 
They yield to worry. They yield to it. They're the only ones responsible for yielding to it. Nobody can keep you from yielding to it. In John 14, you remember Jesus said, uh, in fact, you might want to just turn there and look at it real quickly if you have your Bible. If you don't, I'll, I'll read it to you. We could quote it, but I want you to notice it if you, uh, if you do have your Bible. John 14, he's talking about peace. Verse 27, he says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Whose peace? He said, His peace. Do you believe that Jesus walked in peace on the earth? Can you see Jesus biting his nails and pulling his hair? Can you picture Jesus looking at the disciples and going, Boys, what are we going to do? Huh? Can you see that? Why? How did he operate? How did he walk? I mean, we see situations where people are ranting and raving and trying to kill him on the spot and he just walks through the midst of them. We see him trying to put him in a corner and put him on the spot and he kneels down and writes in the sand. Looks up and says, well, whichever one among you hadn't sinned, let him throw the first rock. How many believe Jesus was cool? Did he walk in peace? Did he? In, in a world filled with demons and the curse and crazy people, he still walked in peace. And one of, some of the last things he said before he left the earth is he looked at them and, he, and it belongs to us just as much as to them. And he said, peace I'm leaving with you. My peace I'm giving to you. This very peace that I walked in while I was on the earth, I'm going to heaven. You're going to need this. I want you to take this peace that I walked in. I want you to walk in it like I did. Not as the world gives. You can't get this out of the world. The world will drive you crazy if you let it. They can't give you this, but you can have this to deal with the world. Give I to you. Let not, because you have this peace now, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. If my heart is troubled, how did it get that way? I let it get that way. If my heart is afraid, how did it get that way? I let it. Is that true? Read it now. What, what did he tell us? Let, Jesus is talking, he said, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Who's the understood subject there? You. Did he tell us not to let our heart be troubled? What are we supposed to do with that? Can we do that? Yeah, we can. How do we do it? By faith. You can feel troubled. You can look troubled. People can look at you and go, man, you're troubled, ain't you? And you can say, I refuse to fear. I refuse to be troubled. You can just by faith throw it off. And if it jumps back on, throw it off again. If it jumps back on, cast it off. Right? Even though you feel like fretting and pacing the floor, you can get up and praise God. Even if there's a tremble in your voice, praise Him till the tremble leaves. Right? We don't walk by feelings. There are times you'll feel afraid. There are times you'll be tempted to, I don't care who you are or what phase of your life, there'll be times you'll be tempted 
to be troubled. But if you are troubled and afraid, you yielded to it. You let your heart get that way. And it's hard on you. It's like using that car for something it wasn't made to be used for. It's like pushing that airplane outside its envelope. You can't worry and fret and roll around in the bed and not sleep and pace the floor and cry without it affecting you. It's going to affect your stomach. It's going to affect your nervous system. It's going to affect your mind. It's going to affect your mental abilities. It's going to affect your circulation. It's going to affect your muscle uh, strength and coordination. It's going to affect your skin. I mean, we ought to know that. You see people get upset and you see their neck and their chest break out. You ever seen that? I mean, it happens, you know, frequently people, they, they, they get upset and they get hives and they get red. I mean, see, that's an immediate effect on the flesh of what's going on in the spirit and the heart, the mind. You and I were not designed to handle stress. We're not designed, I mean, I mean to be stressed, I should say. We're not designed to worry. We're not designed to fear and fret. If we walk in faith, we'll walk in rest. What did Jesus say? Come unto me, you that labor. You're working hard and you're heavy loaded. And what did he say? I'll load you up some more. <laughs> huh? What did he, tell me what he said. What did he say? I will give you rest. You hear people talking about sometimes, can, can you give me just another minute or two here? Uh, you hear people talking about sometimes that I, uh, you know, boy, serving the Lord is such a hard thing. You know, man, I just, I got such a heavy load doing the work of the Lord. It just, I just, it just seems like it's too much. Wait up, wait up. The Lord said, my yoke is what? Easy. And he said, my burden is, yeah, but it's such a heavy load. Doing the ministry and doing the work is such a heavy load. Wait up, something's wrong. I said, something's wrong because I know Jesus is right. He said the yoke is what? Easy. He said the burden of the load is light. Do you know the devil wants to make you his pack mule? He wants to load you till your belly drags the ground. He wants to load you till your pickup bumper is making sparks off the highway. And your tires are flat and your springs are broke. And he'll keep loading you. What? With cares, with anxiety. He wants you to carry the burden of things. He wants you to take on responsibilities that only God could take care of. But oh, you're so big and tough, such a faith bird, I'm going to take it. You see people, bless their hearts, in the ministry. And I mean, that you can look at them. They're not doing good. they got big rings under their eyes. Eyes bloodshot and, and a tremor in their voice. And they want to attribute it to the work of the ministry. You ever heard of people burning out? Well, so-and-so burn out. And they want to act like, well, it was just too much. Well, now, you know the implication they're leaving is that God is a cruel taskmaster. That God will load you and He'll work you until you fall in the floor. And then He'll kick you and say, get up from there, boy. There's work to be done. People die and it's lost and things to get. Get up. Go. That's not God. I said, that's not God. I'm telling you, the devil has a tactic here. He he would rather that you just do nothing and just be lazy and not do anything. But if he can't get you to do that, he'll try to push you across the road into the ditch on the other side so that you just are non-stop. You're just doing something, trying to do something all the time. You're in a frenzy and you believe a lie. You believe God cannot be satisfied. 
You believe no matter what you do, you haven't done enough. It's a lie. I said it's a lie. Do you know you can please God and you can do enough every day? He knows who you are. He knows what's going on in you. He knows you're one person. He's not holding us responsible for everything. The Bible talks about in Philippians about Epaphroditus. And how that for the, because of the work of God, he was near unto death, not regarding his life. One translation says he, he hazarded his life. He jeopardized his life. Do you know you can push yourself too far and, and call yourself working for God? But the Lord didn't do that to you. He didn't, you, you didn't do that obeying Him. In fact, I've found that in my life in ministry, there's been places, places and times where I'm, I'm doing, I'm doing too much. I'm, I'm, you meet yourself coming back. You come back in and you're tired and you try to rest and you're still tired. And I, I've got up to do something to study or to try to get, and the Lord said, go to bed. But see, you, you can, do you know you can get addicted to busyness? It's like a fix. And one of the toughest things you can do is to get quiet. I know the same Bible also said, be still. Know that I am God. We need to learn how to be obedient. You know, Jesus told the disciples at different times, come apart to this desert place. We'll rest. That's, that, he didn't say, come over here and let's have another meeting. <laughs> you know, you have to watch about involvements that are not God-directed. We're not to be led by opportunities. We're not to be led by needs. We're to be led by the Holy Ghost. A pastor friend of mine and I were talking several years ago. He's pastor of a large church. And he and I were talking. He came to visit a little bit. And, and the, the Lord prompted me to talk to him about some of these things. And uh, I said, you know, we, we have to watch about doing a bunch of things the Lord didn't tell us to do. Because the enemy wants you to get so many things in your life that you just you run out of gas. You just don't you spread yourself too thin. Not only are, are you in that state and it'll wear you out prematurely, but you understand you're not giving your your best to what he told you to do. Because you're spread too thin. He said after we talked, the Lord dealt with him, and he said, I, he said, Lord, help me. He just got aside, got aside and prayed and fasted a few days. He said, Lord, show me everything going on in our church that you didn't tell me to do. He said, to his surprise, there was all kind of programs, because of large church. He said, there was all kind of programs and things that he had let get started because somebody thought this was a good idea, or we need this, or we ought to do this. And he had all these things going that he had to supervise, and that he had to check and be responsible for. And he said, the Lord told him, I didn't tell you to do that. I didn't tell you to do this. Yeah, but it's a good thing. Yeah, but did he tell you to do it? Well, it needs to be done. Yeah, but did he tell you to do it? How many of you are not the only one in the body of Christ? He gave somebody else. And so he said he just obeyed the Lord. He went in there the next week or two. He cut out about half the programs they had. He said he had a lot of squealing and fussing and carrying on. He said, but he said immediately after that, he found himself with more time to seek God and get in the Word and do what he needed to do. He began to get clearer direction and vision for the church. And immediately the church began to go up. Stronger anointings in the pulpit. Greater results. More people coming in. We have to watch about just being busy, 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 busy. How many know you can go shopping when you ought to be resting? You can be visiting when you ought to be getting quiet, taking a nap. You can do a lot of things. And the enemy wants you to be half wore out all the time. And never catch up. And just get weary and well-doing and wear out before your time. 
I mean, that's just another thing. I mean, you know, a car might be fine. It might make 100 miles an hour once in a while. But if you drive at 105 every time you get in it, you just drive with your foot on the floor. You drive it at maximum every time you get in it. And it's not going to last as long. You and I have been given the very peace of Jesus the Master Himself. We've been given the rest of faith. How many know you can rest on the job? I don't mean you find a corner and sleep while the rest of the guys are working. I mean, how many understand? You can rest on the inside. You might be moving fast with your hands on the outside, but your mind's quiet. Your soul is at peace and at rest. You know, you can take tranquilizers and be half knocked out and, and supposed to have slept for X amount of hours. But if you can't rest on the inside, you won't rest on the outside. Whatever it takes, get things right between you and God. Whatever it takes, get things right between you and other people. Whatever it takes, cast the care of the thing over on the Lord. And you come in the morning bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. How many know what I'm talking about? You come in, I mean, as far as people know, looking at you, they think, man, they must not have a care in the world. And it's true, because you gave them all to the Lord. Right? You live like that. You live carefree. You live in peace. You live in rest. Can you see? You're going to live a long time. You're going to be around for a while. You're not coming in screaming and pulling your hair every day. You're coming in walking like the master would when he walked into the room. Because you're walking in his very own peace. Quiet. Strong. I had a guy come work with me in healing school for a day or two from an outside place. He, he wanted to watch me and follow me around for a couple of three days. And uh, at the end of the time, he looked at me and he said, Man, he said, if you were any more laid back, you'd be in a, in a uh, coma. <laughs> well, I took that as a compliment. I said, I took that as a compliment. Because everything around you tries to pull you out of that. People today think that success is having two phones, a fax machine, a beeper, and a lot of email coming in while you're going down the road at 80 miles an hour to catch a flight that's about to leave. They think, well, hey, buddy, you're a mover and you're a shaker. That's what it takes. And no. No. What it takes is hearing from God. And if you're so busy and loud, you won't. You'll rush on sometimes into destruction. So let's be still and know He's God. Let's walk in that rest. Let's walk in that peace. And you'll find as you're doing it, you'll keep on walking. Days will turn into months. Years will turn into decades. Next thing you know, the Lord tears is coming. You look up at me. They'll be trying to figure out how to put a hundred candles on your cake. <laughs> Can you say amen? Stand up with me. Let's pray and we'll be dismissed. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness and faithfulness. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Lord, I thank you that we have peace that passes understanding. Thank you that we have your very own peace, your very own faith, the very rest of God to live in, to operate in, to walk in. Forgive us for fretting. Forgive us for worrying and fearing, doubting. Forgive us for taking on all kind of projects and things that you didn't tell us to do. Overloading ourselves, overstressing ourselves. Forgive us, Lord, for doing things you didn't lead us and direct us and guide us to do. Help us, Lord, to get things straightened out, get settled in, and to walk solidly, to walk in the continuous peace and rest, that we may serve you well and serve you long, as it would suit and please you, and enjoy the full benefits of redemption. We ask you for it. We thank you for it. We believe and expect it in Jesus' name. Amen.
This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.